Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. As we continue in our sermon series, he said, what? Uh, I want to continue uh, in Matthew 7, uh, starting at verse 15, and it's entitled, Exposing Modern False Prophets. And as, and I, as I begin to speak here today, uh, for those of you here in the congregation, you guys at Mecca and you, you at home, let me explain something to you. As I've said over and over and over again, Christians tend to, especially today, tend to not like anything that appears to be uh, negative. And so we take our Christianity the same way. We want to think that everything's hunky-dory, that Jesus is love, He's mercy, uh, He's forgiving, and He's sweet, and, uh, and all those things are true. But Jesus prophesied about the impending judgment of the world. It wasn't just God the Father who's the big bad father, and Jesus was the mediator that kept that from happening. No, He and the Father are one and the same. They're together on all of it. But Jesus showed us a different way to look at things, which is important, and yet He and the Father are one. Amen? Are they not part of the Trinity together? Then they are one, are they not? Did Jesus not say, the Father and I are one? Did He say that? You're going to find a day that he did. And so understand that these are not my words. These are his. This is what he said. He said it. Why is it that we tend to skip over the things, even that he said, that we don't like or don't want to hear? Truth is truth, isn't it? Jesus said these things. So keep that in mind as you listen to the words of Christ. Matthew 7, verse 15, he said, watch out for false prophets. Do you see that? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and, get this, thrown into the fire. This is Jesus Christ talking, right? This is the Son of God saying that bad trees with no fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, what do you think that means? That doesn't sound hunky-dory to me. It doesn't sound like mercy is going to be invoked here. It doesn't look like there's not going to be a judgment. It looks like there is going to be one. And it looks like, you know, forgiveness is necessary. And if you didn't ask for it and you didn't accept it, you're going to be cut down, thrown into the fire. And a lot of people are going to be. Jesus is saying this, not me. Amen? Thus, he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I wasn't going to use that today, but I need you to understand that. He says, not everybody who calls him Lord and claims to be a Christian is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So dispel any thoughts in your mind that anybody who says they're a Christian really is. And he gives us authority here to say, look, you say you're a Christian, but I don't see it in... in, in your fruit. It just doesn't seem to be there. He gives us the authority and the ability to notice it, to see it, and guess what? Judge it. You can judge by the words of Christ whether a person bears the fruit that proves they're a Christian or not. Amen? 
This is not in dispute. It's right here. And so when people say, you can't judge me, say, oh, yes, yes, I can. Not only can I, but the Word of God says that I must. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit or not. Amen? Is that, is that not judging whether they display the fruits or not? Yes or no? Yes, it is. And that's the point. Many people, friends, like to think that you can just trust religious leaders too. You can just trust them. If they say they're a pastor or they are a pastor, you can just trust them. Or they're an elder in some churches or whatever it is we call them. And ministers typically rank very high in polls concerning people that you can trust. Well, at least they used to. Okay? In fact, people will often accept whatever a preacher, a priest, a rabbi, uh, or whatever you want to call them as truth. And yet Jesus told His disciples to be aware of false prophets. And do you not think that false prophets don't come under the guise of a minister? Sometimes they do. He said that they may appear like sheep, they may look like sheep, they may even dress like sheep or act like a sheep. They may say that they are. But inwardly, what are they? Ravenous wolves. Not my words, His. Ravenous wolves. And he said that we need to be able to identify them and we need to know what to look for. Are you concerned, my friends, about false prophets today? Because you should be. We all ought to be. We all ought to be nervous about that. The great diversity of teaching suggests that many are being misled. There's so many different ideas out there, more ideals, different... Uh, theologies, uh, different doctrines, different backgrounds, different uh, interpretations of Scripture. And the fact is, we have to be careful. Because the closer we march toward the end days, the more uh, rampant this is going to be. And the Bible has warned us about this, nevertheless, has it not, that this is going to happen. So we need to be reminded of the danger and know how to spot any wolves that might come our way. Now, I was watching a, a TV show um, yesterday afternoon uh, just because I wanted to keep my foot elevated a little bit, and so I was watching a show, and it had to do with this, these people that uh, go to uh, uh, homesteads that are failing where people have lived off the grid, and they help them to fix whatever's wrong. I don't know if you've seen that show. I can't remember the name of it, uh, but there were some people that had uh, a homestead in, in Arizona in the desert, and wolves were a... <laughs> A really, a really uh, big threat to them, and wolves were actually dragging their dogs off and killing them. And so, wolves are, are bad news. They they don't they're not they don't really they're not afraid of people. They'll they'll and you're 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 food to them. Okay. So, wolves in 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 the wild are dangerous commodity. Amen. And I would submit to you that as dangerous as that is in the in the flesh and in the physical, a spiritual wolf is even more dangerous because it's eternity. You understand? It's eternity. With the words of our Savior, Matthew 7, fresh on our minds, I'd like to take this opportunity to expose modern false prophets. And Julie, and any of you who do, who do intercessory prayer, I would like you to pray for me as I'm doing it. Because I know that the devil is going to do everything he can to stop it. He doesn't want these people exposed. And I need, I need the Lord's strength because this is real. I'm, I'm doing battle. We're doing battle with the forces of hell. Do you understand that? When you expose, th listen, Paul said that th this is real. The principalities are out there that we don't recognize in the flesh. They're matters of the spirit. And they have dominion on the earth, under the earth, and yes, even above it. We'll talk about that another day. But friends, we need to pray so let's reemphasize a couple things. First of all, understand that there will be false prophets. Don't put your head in the sand and act like there aren't any and aren't going to be any and you're not susceptible to it. Every single one of us is susceptible to a false prophet. And sometimes it's used through Google. Huh? And the internet or any other search engine. You can post pretty much anything you want out there. You can pick up any teaching you want on YouTube. You can, you can listen to these things, and some of it seems right. They mix uh, you know, truth with uh, falsehoods, and all of a sudden, well, it seems right. 
Yes, you've seen it. It's, it's, it's out there. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, warns us about this on several occasions. First of all, to the Ephesian leaders uh, in, in Acts chapter 20, 28 to 31, he says, keep watch over yourselves. Now, this is Luke writing, but Paul is, is talking. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In, in other words, every Christian is an overseer. Be shepherds of the church of God. So he's not just talking to pastors here. He's talking to all Christians. We're all shepherds over the church of God in some manner. In other words, we have to keep watch. You understand? Some of us are called to be the shepherd of a church, and some of us are watch, watch over sheep that alert the shepherd. You understand? So he wants us to do that. He said, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, and they will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, get this, even from your own group, even from your own churches, men will arise, and women too, by the way, will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you day and night, and I did so with tears. That's how prominent it was. Paul cried and mourned over the fact that this was happening. And he prayed over the people that it wouldn't. Notice he tells them to keep watch. Keep watch for what? Over what? Well, basically, he says that we and they have a duty and a responsibility to watch over God's church. That's what he's talking about. That means it doesn't matter if the false teachers are from a different congregation or not. We tend to think that, that we're, we're, we're our responsible stop at, at, at the confines of our particular churches. They don't. You understand that? Pastor Bob, am I right? Exactly right. Anybody agree? You're a Christian in God's church. It's not defined by denominational differences or lines or even church buildings. Sure, we have congregations, but Christian is Christian. Amen. Now, we might have some theological differences. I get that. And some of them are legitimate. I get it where, you know, you can interpret a certain way. I get that. But most of the Scripture is black and white, and it's either you're a Christian or you're not. Okay? So that's what I'm talking about today. That's what Paul's talking about. He says we have a responsibility to keep ourselves and those around us safe from those who would attack the truth. And there's a lot of people in the church that attack the truth today. And they do it in a variety of ways. He, he goes on to say that it may indeed happen from within our own ranks. The enemy really doesn't mind misleading people for, from within the church. Did you know that? He doesn't mind. In fact, he delights in it because it's easier. It's easier. Paul talks about the same thing to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. He says, for such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. There's a, there's a word for you, masquerading. The only time I masquerade is at, uh, sometimes at uh, uh, Halloween. But I'd like to think that people would know that when we dress up in costume that that's not really what we are. Right? Too bad we don't have the same discernment when it comes to spiritual matters. Because that was more important. It's too bad that the church can't recognize people who are in costume, who are masquerading as a Christian. He says, no wonder, because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Wow. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, this is harsh. And I think some people say, is that really in the Word of God? Oh, uh -huh. word, word for word. Look, look it up yourself. Now, this is massive. You know why? Because it's deserving of our study and attention. We really, need to, we really need to take this apart and take a look at what Paul's trying to say. He says that false teachers were spreading falsehoods, and he says they'll even do it now. They did it then, and they'll do it now. And how many of us have heard other Christians and even some of our friends either believing falsehoods or worse, teaching others falsehoods? Don't tell me you don't have friends in your neighborhood or acquaintances at work or whatever, people that you know, believe 
differently than you do and claim to be Christian, and you can't really match up what they believe in Scripture. Don't tell me you don't have people in your life like that. Maybe even your own family. I've seen that too, okay? Paul says these people masquerade as Christians, but God says they aren't Christians. Right here it is. God says they're not. He compares them to Satan himself, who was an angel of light, he says. He masqueraded as an angel of light. Jesus said he did. Paul said that he did. Jesus said he was a liar from the beginning and the father of all lies. And he even called the Pharisees stiff-necked heathen. Now, I suppose that that didn't really sit too well with them. If somebody called me a stiff-necked heathen, I would probably be a little upset. Would you be? But let me tell you something. If you believe falsehoods, you practice falsehoods, or you teach them because they don't line up with Scripture, that is exactly what you are by the words of Christ Himself and reiterated by His servant that He appointed personally in the Apostle Paul. Amen? Th these things are not in dispute, my friends. And sometimes the truth hurts us. We don't like it. But I'm grateful that I have warning here. That I, I'm grateful that I see that this is true and I realize what to do about it. You see, friends, those who say they're Christians but believe differently than the Bible aren't any different than Satan. They're just not. We'd like to think that they are. Somehow he's worse. The Bible doesn't make a differentiation. In fact, Paul says they're the same. It's written right here in the Word of God. So what do you do with that? It's there. He says it again, Paul does, to the young preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3 and 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 9. Listen to these. I have a lot of scripture today. I want you to get where I'm getting all this stuff. I mean, the best backup I have is scripture. Anybody? Okay. So listen to scripture. First and 2 Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith. That means they were already Christians. That means you can lose your salvation. You hear me? It means you can lose your salvation. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Hear that? Remember, Jay, we, we talked about this in, in, a, in, a, in a class. They will follow deceiving spirits taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. In other words, when they believe something, you're not going to get away from them. Because the devil is that powerful. You understand? They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days, and I think we're there. I think we're really close to the cusp of what's really going to happen. You follow me here? Anybody agree with me here? We're, we're right there? Okay. He says, they will be lovers of themselves. No, of course, that's not true today, huh? We're more in love with ourselves than we've ever been, more self-centered and more conceited than we've ever been. They will be lovers of money. Isn't that what makes the world go round? Used to be love. Now it's money. Anybody with me here? You've seen it. You've watched it tra transition in your lifetime. You can't deny it. He says they will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Of course, that's not happening either. Huh? They'll be ungrateful. That's not happening, is it? They'll be unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, my goodness. Could the Apostle Paul have known how closely he would represent the current generation literally thousands of years ago? My goodness. Could he even know what he was writing would describe our generations today? Because he's doing it. He says they will have a form of godliness, but they will deny its power. That's people who claim to be Christian, but don't act like a Christian. Don't believe like a Christian. You understand? He says have nothing to do with such people. Have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. And I think we could add that they could do it over gullible men too. 
Huh? They're always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah, of course not. They're swayed by all kinds of evil desires, he says. Just as Jonas and Jambres oppose Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are people of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, they are rejected. God's going to reject people. You understand that, don't you? Here it is. I mean, right? That's what he's talking about. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of these men, their folly will be clear to everyone. I'm not so sure that's true in the church today, but Paul says it should be. You see, this is what I don't understand. Jesus tells us about these false prophets. He even talks about it being in the church. Paul tells us about these false prophets. He even talks about it being in the church. Paul warns us of the apostasy that would come and even describes the character and the tactics, I would say, of those who would be there to mislead. Now, we all know, as I said before, people who fit the character and the tactics of what the Apostle Paul is talking about, don't we? Yet somehow, we will not classify these people as false teachers. Why not? God does. Why, why, why are we so willing to just say, well, that's just difference of opinion? Not when it detriments the Scripture, it's not. Right? Again, I'm not talking about theological differences that maybe there's a, a place for that. I'm talking about things that are completely against Scripture. And you know what I'm talking about here. You do. You do. My friend Billy Henry and I were just talking about this a week and a half ago. This is a fact. People want to believe what they want to believe. Why? Yes, they do. We want to believe whatever suits us so we can act any way we want to and others around us who we love to do the same. God doesn't work that way, friends. Never has. And that's why there's great rejoicing in heaven when someone turns from that lifestyle and from that rebellion. You understand? We're, we're a people that are in rebellion toward God until we accept Jesus Christ and live for Him. Yes or no? That's the way it is. It's just, there's no way around it. You see, for whatever reason, we would rather live and let live. Have you ever heard that before? We'd rather live and let live. We'd rather be tolerant of people rather than obedient to God. That's a fact. I watch it every day. We'd rather allow false beliefs and teachings to gain momentum so that, so to the point that they seem true rather than hurt somebody's feelings or step on somebody's toes. That's what we'd rather do. Now, here's a question. What do you think God's going to say to us when we meet Him face to face? But see, that's not all. Other New Testament writers talk about the same things. Peter told us of the rise of false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 2. He says that there were false teachers and false prophets among people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even deny the sovereign Lord who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. He says their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. In other words, God's going to have the final say, be for real. Okay? John commanded us to test the spirits. Have you ever heard that before? I don't think we do a really good job of that. You know why? Because we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to uh, uh, move upon us to the point where it helps us to discern these false spirits. We haven't developed the fruit of that spirit in ourselves. I don't think in the, in the Protestant church we've done a good job of that. We, we need to do better. I think we need to do better. John tells us in 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. <laughs> right? I, I've heard some people who claim to be Christians speaking, and I, had to, I have to tell you, I didn't recognize the Spirit of Christ in them when they did it. I didn't recognize the Spirit of Christ. You know why? Because it wasn't His Spirit in there. If you think it isn't, it probably is not. You follow me? He says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false promise, prophets have gone out into the world. He says, clearly, friends, this is important. And incidentally, I would say, if the spirits didn't come from God, then where did they come from? If the spirits, he says, didn't come from God, he said it here. If the spirits didn't come from God, then where did they come from? 
This completely proves two things. First, that there are real spirits in the world. Amen? There are real spirits in the world. Some of them are good and some of them are not. Yes? But that's a sermon for, yeah, I'm going to get it too. Jude goes so far as to tell us that some have already been around. He says in Jude 3 and 4, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. In other words, the Word of God is entrusted to God's holy people, those who really accepted Jesus Christ, who really followed Jesus Christ, and who are willing to allow the Word of God and the Spirit within them to change them from the inside out so that they never go against the Word of God itself. That's the people we're talking about. That's God's holy people. These other people are masquerading. You understand? They're masqueraders. Okay? He says, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are, get this, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and true Lord. They use God's grace as a license for immorality. So that disputes right there. This is the Word of God. And any version you want it is right there in Jude 4. The brother of Christ, yeah? Didn't believe in Jesus at first, did after a while, became saved, and turned his life over to him. Yeah? Yes or no? Am I right or wrong? Well, if you didn't know, you just learned it today. Here's the deal. That means that there are people who believe in love and grace and mercy only as a basis. They are perverting the gospel as a license for people to do anything that's immoral. You heard it right there. You see why the church stands against homosexuality? You understand why the church stands against people living together before marriage? You understand why people, the church stands against people having sexual relations before marriage? It's clear. Now, listen, you can call me a prude if you want. You can call me a holy roller. You, you can tell me I'm legalistic. I'm telling you, this has got nothing to do with legalism. This is the Word of God. It's right here. This is not me speaking. This is the, the Word of God through the brother of Jesus Christ which was approved by God before it ever got here. Amen? Either you believe in the Word of God or you don't. You cannot pick and choose. This is not Burger King and you can't have it your way. You can't. It's not Walmart where you can go to the shelf and pick and choose what you want before you leave the store. It's either there or it isn't. We're going to get closer to that. Listen to Bible Story Cafe with Dr. D tonight and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll find that you are either in or out when Christ returns. In or out. It means the Scripture is, is believable to you or it is not. You can't believe part of it because if you believe part of it, then it's not and you're out. That's the way it goes. Now, people get upset with me for being that blunt. It's not that simple. He says it is. Again, this is not me talking. And this tells us something too. The evil spirits are here now. That's what he said. The evil, you know what, friends? I know it. Anybody know it? Anybody, any, Julie, are the evil spirits here now? Anybody believer? Anybody believe the evil spirits are here? Okay. You see, we don't have to wait until the great tribulation to deal with them. Oh, they're going to be more prevalent then because, you know, God's going to open the abyss. He's got, he's got a whole bunch of them in the abyss now. Some of them are out with Satan, but some of them are in the abyss. Did you know that? Who didn't know it? Some of them are in the abyss, and he's going to open it up, and the Bible says that they're going to come out like locusts, and they're going to darken the sun. So many are going to come out. Can you imagine the havoc that they're going to wreak upon the earth at that time? Praise God. I believe the church will not be here at that point. Praise God for that. Amen? Anybody? He, Jesus said, it'll, it'll, it'll be a day such as never been before and never will again, and you shall not want to see it. Yeah? Man, oh, man. Friends, with so many warnings, this is not a subject to take lightly. Wouldn't you agree? But how can we spot these wolves when they appear so harmless? You know, when they masquerade like sheep. Because they do. Praise God through Jesus and His Word. That's how we do it. We can identify false, false prophets, but how do we do it? That's point number two. How do we do it? 
We do it, friends, going right back to what he said, by examining the fruits of their lives. That's what you do. Here's the thing you probably don't want to. Because they're going to tell us that we're judging them. And we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want to appear that way. They're twisting the Scripture when they do that. You understand? They're twisting that. You are to be a judge of the fruits in someone's life. You can't judge whether they're going to heaven or not. That's up to God. But that's a pretty good indication, isn't there? Isn't that true? Can you tell if a person's, can you, can you judge whether a person is good or evil? If you can't, there's something wrong in your spirituality. You understand? If, if your spirit, being the spirit of Christ in you, doesn't match up with somebody, if something isn't right there, there's a reason for that. Anybody? That's why we test the spirits. Yes? You see, Jesus said we can know them by their fruit. Did we not read that earlier? You see, friends, what is truly in their hearts is eventually going to come out. Let me explain what I mean. You see, people identify themselves pretty quickly. How many of you know that? People identify themselves pretty quickly. If someone tells you that they're an attorney but they really aren't, I think you might find out pretty quickly that they are not. <laughs> if they don't know anything about the law, okay, then I would say, of course, everybody's a, you know, a backyard lawyer. It, it, it would stun you if you knew how many people uh, in my career as a law enforcement officer, if I would stop them or whatever, would tell me what the law is. <laughs> really? Oh, you can't stop me. Really? Oh, I wouldn't have done it. You can't arrest me. Well, then I wouldn't have done it. And every single time, I was proven right and they weren't. It stuns me that people actually tell attorneys what the law is, how to interpret the law. How to, they tell judges how to interpret the law. Uh, I remember, anybody like Sanford and Son? Who likes, come be honest, who likes Sanford and Son? So I, I know there's more than that. And, and if, not, if not, then you're too young to remember it. Fred Sanford was a funny guy, you know, uh, and I remember one time, I remember what episode it was, I don't even remember what, what uh, season, uh, but a guy came to the house, and, and I can't remember for what, but he told Fred Sanford, he said, I'm attorney, and, uh, and uh, or, or no, Fred Sanford asked him, uh, uh, he said, how, how do you put it, he said, um, are you an attorney? He said, it depends on who you ask. If you... <laughs> it depends who you ask. If you ask me, I'm an attorney. And Fred Sanford said, well, who says you ain't? He said, state of California. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good indication the guy might not be an attorney. Anybody? Listen, you can sit in law classes right alongside licensed attorneys and do every single thing. They do even graduate with honors. But if you never take the bar exam, you're not an attorney. Do you understand that? Does that make a difference? If you don't take the bar exam and pass it, you're not an attorney. Likewise, if somebody claims to be a doctor, I think you might find out pretty quickly if they're not. And some of you probably have doctors that you think aren't. <laughs> it's funny to me that, you know, uh, and I've done it too, you go into the doctor, you're sick, and you'll tell the doctor what you think it is. <laughs> Has anybody done that? Come on. Right? Just a few months ago, uh, there was a, a guy posing as a law enforcement officer and he had lights in his car and he pulled over another car and the, the driver of the car found out pretty quickly that the guy uh, wasn't law enforcement because he pulled over an off-duty sheriff's deputy. <laughs> that didn't go over so well for him. Likewise, many people say they're a Christian, but they're not. They don't study the Word of God. Friends, you're not a Christian if you don't study the Word of God. Did you hear me? This isn't my words. That's what God says. If you don't read and study the Word of God, you're not a Christian. But somehow in there, we're like, well, I got saved, so, you know, yeah, but here's the thing. Did you lose it? I mean, come on. How, how, can, you, how can you get saved and claim to be a Christian and then not obey His commands? And one of them is simple. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. How can you have an opinion about what's Christian if you don't read the Word of God? 
Your opinion is going to be based on your own feelings or something some, somebody else said. You understand that? You know why people don't study the Word of God? Because they really don't know the Word of God, and that's why they don't follow the Word of God. If you don't study it, you don't know it, and you certainly won't follow it. I mean, that's, friends, call it whatever you want. This is just plain common sense right here, isn't it? We want to give them a free pass on it because they seem like Christians. Or they have good hearts. I know an awful lot of good people that are probably not going to make it to heaven. Anybody? Do you know somebody? None of that makes them a Christian. It doesn't make them a Christian any more than a liar or a poser claims to be an attorney, a doctor, or a law enforcement officer. Do you understand? Somehow we make it different, though, because it pertains to the Word of God. And you know who's doing that? That's the devil. That's Satan. That's what he does. He wants to masquerade as an angel of light. So he'll make you think that the, Christian, the Christian principles and Christianity and the Word of God is something that it isn't. That's called misleading. You understand? This is so simple. Yeah, a caveman could probably get it. Why can't we? You know, Jesus even told us that their hearts will betray any sin that lives in them. Matthew, or Mark chapter 7, 21, 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is with, from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and they defile a person. That's Jesus Christ talking. In other words, when a person says they're a Christian, then the Word of God in its entirety should be lived out completely in their lives. If they say they're a Christian, you ought to identify the Word of God in them at every instance. This isn't a possibility, it's a must. Amen? Come on, guys. Yes or no? You know it is. You may not like it, but you can't deny it's the truth. It's just right here. Okay? And when it isn't, when they ignore the commands of God, when they go against Scripture, Jesus is saying that they are sinful and they have either not become a Christian or they're no longer a Christian, no matter what they want to believe, no matter what they want to tell you, no matter what you want to believe. Friends, again, this is right here in the Word of God. I read it to you word for word, right out of the Word of God. You can look it up yourself. And yes, Jesus said it. He said it. But of course, some will say that he didn't. And you know what? We're right back to square one. That means they weren't in the Word of God, which means they don't know the Word of God, which means they don't live the Word of God. Amen? It's real simple. So basically, Jesus is saying what false believers, that false believers will be found out. Sometimes it's by their own greed. Sometimes it's by their immorality. Sometimes it's just by their, their lust for power. Sometimes it's shown through their rebellion and they're going to be uh, exposed because they're rebelling toward the Scripture. When you don't agree with the Scripture, when you don't live like the Scripture, that's rebellion. Now, if you're not a Christian, it isn't. But if you're a, you say you're a Christian and you don't follow the Word of God, that's rebellion. It's disobedience. Is grace and mercy going to cover you? No. Like I said before, you know what grace and mercy covers? Grace and mercy covers when the person doesn't know what they're doing is sinful. Or they know it, and God knows their heart, and they're trying to change it. Then it covers it. But when you tell God, talk to the hand, or I'm not going to do that, you pick and choose what you want out of here. No, I can't find anywhere it covers that. And neither will you, if you're honest with yourself. And you know, friends, it's really not that hard to see. In given time, the true character of many false prophets will be exposed by the fruits in their live, lives. Now, I hate to say it, but I know some. And I do. And I actually know some ministers who I believe are false prophets. Either by what they teach or what they don't teach. What they refuse to teach. Because they're afraid of what people might say. In any church... 
with a board or elders that tells a pastor, you can't teach on these subjects, that's a false church. Because they certainly aren't following the Word of God. How do I know that some pastors are false? By examining the fruit of their teaching. And I give you the same authority. If you find me teaching something that doesn't match up with Scripture, you call me on it. Because that makes me a false teacher. And I'm willing to admit it if I do it. Am I not, Pastor Bob? So, that's the responsibility we all have as Christians, you know. Take notice of their methods. You see, I struggle with some TV evangelists who constantly ask people for money. Now listen, I know that sometimes it's legit, but oftentimes it's to finance them more than their ministries. I'm not going to tell you who they are. I'm not even going to judge them that way. But that's between them and the Lord. If they've done it, I think they're going to pay a pretty high price. One such ministry even told people to send in all their money. They would pray over it and send back the good money, and then they would dispose of the bad money. Can you believe that? I can tell you who it is, but I'm not going to. That actually happened. You know who it is, don't you? Some of you do. Some use their ministry to teach a prosperity gospel. Before you get upset with me, I'm not speaking of any one TV evangelist. Don't you dare say I am, because I'm not. Okay, but here's what I'm going to tell you. I think that Jesus was clear that being a Christian would cause us more problems in the last days. And, he's, and he never said we'd be prosperous in this life. He never promised that. He said we would we'd be prosperous spiritually. But I know an awful lot of deep Christians who are prosperous spiritually, but they're destitute monetarily. Anybody? You see what I'm saying? So keep that in mind, friends. And then many others teach deceptively. They twist the scriptures to support their message. And friends, that's been done before. Remember, Satan did exactly that when he tried to tempt Jesus into sin. Didn't he use the scripture to do it? Didn't he? And do you think the people are any different? And when they do this, they aren't handling the word of God in the manner that they're commanded to. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself as to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I think we're going to be held to a higher standard than that. What do you think? Let's get deeper into this. You're going to have to take notice of their doctrine, how they twist and pervert the Scripture. Paul says in Galatians 1, 8 to 9, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody's preaching you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That means he's reiterating the fact that there are evil spirits in the world and they belong to Satan and they will use that Scripture to turn it against you as they pervert it. That's what he's saying. And Paul continues to say that their gospel might start out right, but it becomes twisted along the way. This is because their teaching often comes from human feelings and human terms, not the Scripture. You understand? And when they do this, they teach that which is clearly contrary to the Scriptures. And the Bible says it doesn't matter if they seem to be able to perform signs and wonders or even predict the future and things that eventually come true. The Bible's clear about that. In fact, the final test is how their teaching compares to the Word of God and to that of the apostles. 1 John 4, 4-6, he says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, you're familiar with that, right? They are from the world, and they therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God, listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. In other words, when their teaching doesn't match with Scripture, it is a falsehood. Period. Not maybe, not sort of, I don't know. It is. It's a falsehood. And John is clear that when they teach falsehood, they are speaking through a spirit of falsehood. That's what he said. They're speaking through, get this, a, say it with me, a spirit of falsehood. I want you to grasp this. I want you to really get a hold of this today. People that speak falsehoods are speaking through a spirit 
of falsehood. That's the word of God, point blank, word for word, isn't it? The spirit of falsehood. And if this is true, what spirit is in them then? If they're speaking through a spirit of falsehood, what spirit is in them? Huh? What spirit's in them? Scary, isn't it? Now, I know we don't like to admit it, but friends, this is what the Bible says it is. This likely means that we all know people who claim to be Christian, but are believing, living, and speaking through a spirit that doesn't belong to God. What do you do with that? What should you do with that? What does the Bible command us to do with that? What does the Holy Spirit in us command us to do with that? What does Jesus himself command us to do with that? I'm just asking the question. I know what it commands me to do, and I'm doing it right now. I think that Jesus put it a better way in John 10, verses 11 to 13. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And you're going to hear this tonight on Bible Story Cafe. You you, got to watch this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in in Dindy. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and he scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Friends, Jesus is saying that Satan is a hired hand. He's saying that false teachers are hired hands. False pastors are hired hands. They care nothing for the sheep. Satan, do you think Satan cares for the sheep? No, he doesn't. Likewise, these pastors are false shepherds as well. They care nothing for the sheep neither. For if they did, they would teach what will get the sheep into heaven, into safe pasture. That's what they would do. They would stand against heresy and false teaching, and they wouldn't pervert the gospel, and they wouldn't change it to meet the needs of people, and they wouldn't change it to live a lifestyle and a belief system that they like. That's what they wouldn't do. As it is, they cater to the hired hand. And together, they care nothing about the sheep. Furthermore, there are many more false sheep out there. Many more than there are actual sheep. There are many more false sheep. We know that from the sheep and the goats. Jesus said it. There are way more false sheep than there are real sheep. They're false because Jesus said only his sheep, I just read it, only his sheep hear his voice and only his sheep know that he is a shepherd. John 10, 3 to 5 says, The gatekeeper opens the gate, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of him, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. So those sheep that are following a stranger aren't Jesus' sheep. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Friends, you've got to recognize the Savior's voice. You got to know who's speaking to you, if it's the devil or it's Christ. Listen to me closely. I'm speaking the truth here. That's all I'm doing. This is directly from the Word of God, and in this case, directly from the shepherd. He's the shepherd. Jesus actually said this verbatim, point blank. He said it. This means that those who believe and live differently than the Word of God teaches aren't sheep of the true shepherd. This is because they are listening to a different voice. And Jesus said his sheep never follow any other voice but his. Because they know his voice. Whose voice are you listening to? Wow. And as our worship team comes, friends, it is not necessary to judge the hearts of those who claim to speak to God. That's for him to do. But he has called us to be, I guess, fruit of sorts. The fruit of their lives and the fruit of their teaching will become apparent soon enough. This is how we can expose false prophets. And, of course, 
This presumes that our knowledge of God's Word is sufficient. And I think for some of us, maybe it isn't. Need to get there, though, don't we? See, this is an encouragement for you. Not only can you discern the difference to test the spirits and know what's godly and righteous and what's not, He gives you the authority to do it. But you've got you to know His Word or you'll never know it. Amen? You've got to know the Word. And if you don't, then I say get in there. Remember, if you don't study the Word, you won't know the Word, and you won't live by the Word. And that's how you start picking up other ideals about what the Word is. Yeah? This is, again, just common sense. You have to know what to look like, what to look for in the life of a false prophet, to know what to match up in the beliefs of a false prophet, to know what to listen to in the teaching of a false prophet. Otherwise, we will be no different than Israel, of whom God said through the prophet Hosea in chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed, get this, for a lack of knowledge. That's what he said. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Are you equipped to identify a wolf in sheep's clothing if you saw one? And when you do, what will you do? Will you tuck tail and run because you don't feel worthy or adequate to call them out? Well, I would say get in the Word and become qualified. Or are you just afraid? Friends, that has, neither one of those has any place in the kingdom of God. You want to wear the bracelet? What would Jesus do? What did He do? He called them out. And He told the disciples to call them out. He told His apostles to call them out. He told His church to call them out. And that's what we're going to have to do. You know how we're going to put an end to this stuff? By calling out false teachers, false preachers, false believers, false everything. When you do that, you got the Word of God to back it up. They don't. You understand? It's a lot easier than you think. That's what you have to do. That's what God's asking you to do. He's commanding you to do. So you think about that as you stand this morning. And you know what? The altar's right here. It ought to probably be lined. Because every single one of us needs discernment and authority and power. And God wants to give it to you right here, right now, today. He wants to anoint you because he's called you into a business that sometimes isn't very pleasant, and yet it's still a command. Amen? Stand with